Are you talking shift? We are. It's time for the We're Talking Shift podcast. Now, now, now. Here to talk shift, Lori Bischoff. We're talking shift. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 63 of We're Talking Shift, the podcast where I talk a lot of shift because I believe that when we feel stuck or when it's time to level up, rise to a challenge, or make any kind of shift, the process must begin with a shift in our thinking. That is the antidote to feeling stuck. Today, I am super excited to be talking with a a very lovely and extraordinary woman, Catherine Harrison. Catherine caught my eye on Instagram because she is not only beautiful, but she is in absolutely amazing shape. I mean, she appears vibrantly healthy and she looks like an athlete, like like a professional athlete. She's amazing. Now, social media is, of course, it's, it's overflowing with beautiful women and in peak condition. But what impressed me about Catherine is that she's, well, one of the things, and actually this is not my place to share a lady's age. So I'm just going to say that she's kind of close to mine and I can kind of share mine and I'll just say I'm, well, I'm, I'm into my fifth decade on the planet. So let's just leave it at that. I think she'll be okay with that. But I, I love seeing women who are in this phase of life who are just rocking vibrant health and they're really just crushing it. And more and more of us are demonstrating that this does not have to be the phase that transitions you into like old age and irrelevancy. No, no, no. Now we are like dynamic tribal elders who have much wisdom to share due to our decades of life experiences. But when it comes to Catherine, that's just the beginning, you guys. Here's the next thing that makes Catherine so extraordinary and why I wanted to have her on the show. You see, upon further investigation, I discover that Catherine is a professional commercial print model and a fitness model, which which isn't really surprising given her, her beauty and stature. But get this. Catherine is nearly blind. Now, in spite of that, or perhaps more accurately because of that, Catherine's been a national public speaker and article writer for several magazines where she has shared her story of learning to walk with strength and faith behind a white cane. She holds a Bachelor of Science degree in nursing from Baylor University and had a career as an operating room nurse. Catherine is a former ballerina and studied dance at Juilliard's School of American Ballet in New York. She serves on several nonprofit boards and regularly volunteers in her local community. I mean, she is one busy lady. So, we're going to chat with Catherine for a bit and find out how she is managing to fearlessly move full steam ahead and live an amazing life with such beauty and poise, all with a condition that would have many people doing just the exact opposite. So without further ado, I would love to introduce my special guest and model citizen, yes, pun intended, Catherine Harrison. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you, Lori. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Catherine and I connected on uh, Instagram. And, you know, if you just look at the photos of you, Catherine, one assumes that you're a model and you look like a fitness competitor. But then, you know, I was reading some of your posts and, and then I also read an article that you wrote. Um, and I just like, I, I don't know. I was like, I gotta, I have to talk to her because you're really like, you're my hero. I don't know what I would have done had I been given the, the news that you got. I'm just gonna pull this from your blog post. You wrote mm-hmm. that you said, or you heard, um, take a good look at the faces of your three sons because you will not be able to see them as grown men. This was the cruelest way I can think of to tell someone that they are going blind, yet that is exactly what happened to me. Wow. So this was in 1995, correct? Yes, yes. That was a tough day. Um, we had actually just moved back to America. We had been living overseas for multiple years as uh, missionaries on the mission field working at a hospital, my husband and I and two kids at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I was holding my newborn in my lap. I came home to have him. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when the doctor gave me that news. And 
and we were not allowed to return to the mission field. Actually, it was a, it was a paradigm shift for our life at that point um, to move, have to move back to America and reestablish ourselves here. So, right. Oh my a, gosh. It was a tough day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, yeah, to put it mildly, right? So, um, so what was going on with your, I'm assuming there was something that was going on with your vision, with your sight that prompted you to have to go to the doctor, right, in order to receive this diagnosis? Yeah. How did you know? Um, there were, there were things that were happening. Um, I was running into things. Um, I had fallen down an entire flight of stairs. All kinds of little things. And my husband, um, who's a, a surgeon, he thought uh, perhaps I had MS or something was mm-hmm. wrong. And I said, no, I just think, I think maybe I just need new glasses or, you know, something's not right. I just can't see very well. And um, so I went to, to see a doctor. The first doctor that I went to see actually just told me I was losing my mind, that there was nothing wrong. Um uh. And I said, no, no, I don't think I'm losing my mind. I think something else is going on. So I just kind of worked my way onto a specialist, a retina specialist, who was able to quickly diagnose my problem. Um, And I was diagnosed with a disease called retinitis pigmentosa. Uh, But I have the recessive form of the gene uh, because none of my family members have it. So that's why why I wasn't diagnosed when I was younger. Okay, so so it's is it normally a a, a genetic disorder or it, it and is. then you just it okay is, it is genetic. My parents are both carriers of the disease, oh. but they don't have it. So ah. they they'll never have it, and my kids don't have it, but they do carry one of the genes. And so I was the one out of there are four girls in my family. I was the one out of the four that got both of the recessive genes, so then it manifested in uh-huh. myself. And, um, you know, I'm I'm thankful that it was me and not my sisters, honestly. I would rather it be me if mm. it's going to happen to anybody. So mm-hmm. um, it wow. is a progressive genetic disease that over time you lose your sight. Little by little, you begin to see through the tunnel, and the tunnel just gets smaller and smaller and smaller until it goes to black. And actually, probably my first symptom of it was back when I was 16, when I got a driver's license, and I, I realized quickly I couldn't drive so well at night. And night blindness is usually one of the first indicators of this disease. Really? Okay. So, wow. Yeah. So you you said um, uh, in some of the things I was reading that in a very short amount of time, then I mean I guess very short amount of time is is relative, but you you basically you lost your career as an operating room nurse, you mm-hmm. lost your driver's license, your ability to read, mm-hmm. your independence, and for the most part, you said you lost your self worth. Um, I mean, like devastating is an understatement that. Yeah, that's, that's it, a lot. It was really about two years um, from the time I was diagnosed. It it seemed to progress pretty quickly in me that my tunnel got so small that um, you know I I lost my license, which you know I willingly gave up because I'm not I'm not willing to hurt somebody else just sure. for me to want to drive. That's mm-hmm. not worth hurting myself, my kids, or someone else. Right. Um, and it became very difficult to read and really to, I, I think I had to give up my self-worth because I, uh, you know, I had based a lot of my identity on being a nurse, being an operating room nurse, and I couldn't get insurance to practice nursing anymore with a with the diagnosis yeah. and then being declared legally blind. I couldn't uh, get insurance to do that. So, you know, there were a whole lot of changes had to happen in a very short amount of time. And I wasn't really equipped. There wasn't a support group. There was no one to really tell me, well, here's what you do. You mm-hmm. know, life's not over. You just have to shift gears a little bit. I really had to stumble along in the dark, literally, for many years, mm-hmm. trying to figure my way out of this. And some of that's just my, my can-do, I'm-from-Texas personality. 
I was born, you know, I think with a lot of grit and a pair of boots and we just kind of pull them on, strap, strap in and get her done, you know. Um, so I thought I've got to really figure out how to do life. My kids still had to go to school and soccer practice and everybody expected dinner on the table and, you know, life yeah. went on. Yeah. So so how so by the time, you know, this happened over this two year period where you really, you know, had all of these losses, basically, um, how old were your kids then? I guess I had a two, a five and uh, almost eight year old by then. So they were little. Yeah. uh, You know, my youngest never knew me to drive a car. He's never, Mm -hmm. never known me to drive. I I just, I got a driver is what I had to do. Um, found someone to drive my car around um, so I could do carpool and begin to try to do some of those normal things, go to the grocery store. Um, I also got myself connected with the Department of Assistive and Rehabilitative Services here in Texas, which Basically, they teach you how to how to maneuver, how to read Braille, how to use a white cane, how to do all of those things. Yeah. And so I started, uh, you know, taking classes and learning. But that I, must have been quite it, a journey, though. I, I remember reading in um, in one of your blog posts that you um, you said as uh, as your site grew smaller, I not only had to um, accept my fate, but I had a but you finally had a change of heart where you, you realized that your sons were, were watching you and, and learning how to handle, as you say, the curveballs of life. I love that expression. I use that all the time um, because it's true. Life just does throw you some wild curveballs. And, and you're right. You've got to figure out, um, you know, how to, how to deal with it. And you decided that you needed to be a good example for them. And I love it. You said, um, I decided that if I was going to be blind, I might as well do it dressed to kill with a cute hairdo in high heels and being good at it. And I'll give people a reason to stare other than my cane. And I just went, wow, you are like my flipping hero. I mean, that's amazing. (laughs) Yes. Yes, um, that was the point, really a, a big shift for me when my kids got old enough and I noticed they really were watching because I, I had a lot of hard days. I had a lot of times, you know, like anyone where I, this wasn't supposed to happen to me. Mm-hmm. I, I was married to a plastic surgeon. I had the magical life. I have three darling boys. You know, I had the world by the tail. This wasn't what I had planned. And when I finally accepted, okay, but this is the hand you've been dealt, then I decided to play to win. And I went to a school in Austin, a school for blind adults. And I spent three months there learning to read Braille more quickly, learning. Mm -hmm. um, I was already a computer user, but we used a computer with no monitor. You know, how to use it with just voice commands and Mm. keystrokes, no mouse how to navigate Austin, Texas with a blindfold on and just a cane. And uh, I learned a lot of hard lessons at blind oh. school. I cried every day. I oh cried every God. day. The hardest thing I've ever done. But um, I showed up to my uh, first day of class called Orientation and Mobility, where you, you have your white cane and you have an instructor who's also blind. And uh, they're going to teach you how to, you know, how to be totally independent with just that white cane. And the uh, first thing he did was reach down and touch my shoes because he was also blind. Uh-huh. And I said, what are you doing? He said, well, you're going to have to go back to your room and change your shoes. I said, <laughs> well, why? He said, you can't be blind in high heels. Oh. And I said to him, well, are you any good at your job? And he said, well, yeah, I'm really good. I said, then your job's to teach me how to be blind in these shoes because I'm not changing. <laughs> I love you. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't wear so awesome. out unless I'm going to the gym. These are the shoes I'm wearing. Now teach me how to be blind in this. And he said, okay. And, uh, and so we did. And that was really kind of the start of my journey um, in realizing that I could do it. I could be good at it. Um, and 
and be a good example for not only my, my children, but I know people stare. The good thing is I can't see them staring, so I don't care. You can stare if you want. I mean, um, there's got to be a lot of freedom in that, you know, you know, in a, in a, in a different kind of way, not, not seeing people seeing you. I mean, yeah. right? Because we place so much value on, on how we feel we are appearing to others, you know, and, and what perception mm-hmm. we're creating in the eyes of others. And so to no longer, um, be able to discern that would, seems like it'd be very freeing in its own way. It, it is to me. It bothers my kids to no end. They will turn and confront people who are staring. But ah. I, I just say to them, I, I understand they're, they're looking and they're thinking to themselves, what would I do if that were me? Yeah. yeah. I know that's what they're thinking. What would I do if that were me? So I hope they see, okay, she could do it. I could do it too. And, you know, be encouraged because, you know, everybody has something. Everybody has something in life. Um, mine just happens to be blindness. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's a choice that I make every day to get up and put that white cane out in front. And I've discovered a whole lot of power in that cane. You know, if you swing it big enough, people get out of your way. <laughs> That's just fantastic. And so <laughs> I just swing it pretty big and uh, and they get out of my way. And, you know, I, I intend to live life to the fullest of my ability that I can and be all that I can be and enjoy it. So, yeah. Yeah. So what percentage, um, it, do you have any percentage right now of sight? And, and if you do, what, what would you say it is like 1% or 10%? Yeah, about two, about 2%. When I was diagnosed, I had 40% okay. left. So if you took a, a coffee stirring straw, you know, those little brown yep. straws, and put it up to your eye, whatever you see through that, that's what I can see. So when I look at someone's face, I can see maybe one eye. Okay. Okay. So, so, so you, much. so at this point, you still have that tiny, tiny bit of visual that you can see your boys with. I can see bits of them. Just bits. <laughs> Not all at the same time. The only time. way I can Just, see yeah. all of them is in the picture. The only way I can see my own face is in the picture, if and it's got to be kind of like a small picture. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. yeah. But if you're standing right in front of me, I can only see a little piece of you, a little mm-hmm. bit. And so to mm-hmm. try to see your whole face, I would have to stand so far back then I can't see you at all. <laughs> right, right. Too, and there's just so. and so there's nothing that they can give you to to enhance that at all. Then you just that's what it is. No. Yeah, no there is no treatment, there's no cure for this. Um it it affects it's the number 2 blinder of adults in America. Uh, hmm. diabetic retinopathy is number 1. Okay. Um retinitis pigmentosa is number 2. Okay, so how long do you you expect that you can retain that little tiny bit that you still have right now of sight? Honestly, Lori, I I should have lost all of it by now, and really? to still have two degrees of vision is miraculous. So I count my blessings every day that I still have that. Yeah. Um, and there's no way to predict it, the progression of the disease moves differently in everyone. Mm-hmm. Some people lose their type sight, you know, totally within a matter of years. Some keep a little bit their whole life. So mm-hmm. there's no way to know. Okay. So, well, it sounds like you're doing I some pretty miraculous to... things. So maybe you're going to, yeah. you know, set a new standard for what's possible, right, with it. Well, with it. It's, it's not something that I honestly think about every day. Um, it doesn't affect necessarily what I do or don't do. I just kind of keep mm-hmm. going. Um, yeah. knowing what's coming and making sure I'm well prepared uh, yeah. for it, that I'm I'm good in the dark, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> so that's cute. I love it. And that that one of my questions for you is going to be, you know, how much of a role has, has humor played in your process of, of adjusting to this? Oh, I've gotten a whole lot funnier. In fact, I was crossing the street um, in this summer, 
walking back from the beach, and I had my white cane, and and this uh, this woman kind of stepped in front of me, and my cane tripped her. I didn't mean to trip her, but she mm-hmm. she cut me off, you know, stepping in front because mm-hmm. I didn't see her. And she says, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see you." And I I said, <laughs> "Oh, that's usually my line." And her husband busted out laughing, and she was like, "Oh my gosh." I'm so sorry. You know, she was just said, no, no, it's okay. I can be blind and funny. Right. You, know, I, you just, you have to be, you have to yeah. laugh about it. Otherwise yeah. you just cry all the time. So yeah, may as well laugh about it. And I try to help other people feel more comfortable with my disability because, um, because I don't appear to have a disability. And I get that question a lot. Um, you know, people will say, well, gosh, you don't look blind. Right, right. Because yeah, even in your pictures, um, yeah, your gaze doesn't look like you're blind. Well, well, I'm curious as to what a blind person is supposed to look like. Um, Mm -hmm. I think people maybe have a preconceived idea that all blind people look like Stevie Wonder or Mm -hmm. Ray Charles or something. um, But I would say 99.9% of us do not look like that. Mm -hmm. We don't wear glasses. We don't bob our head back and forth we just look regular mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's uh yeah i think i mean i think sometimes when because you're relating it you know people are relating it to if they see somebody where it does seem to be obvious that they're blind so they can they recognize it and then you just assume that that's how everyone appears that is blind yeah. so yeah. i thought um you know like for your when you're modeling so help me understand this. When you're modeling, um, how are you, you know, if you're supposed to be, you know, looking at the camera, for example, are you, how are you learning to direct your gaze for modeling? That's a, a very good question. And I did modeling when I was in college, uh, make a little money to live in an apartment. I started doing some modeling. So this is a, a career I returned to since I couldn't go back to nursing decided to go back into commercial print modeling mm-hmm. and it is something I have to lead with when I go in for an audition because they see me walk in with a white cane and are often, you know, just kind of stand there looking at me. And so I just have to stick my hand out, shake their hand and say, I'm Catherine Harrison. Don't let this white cane bother you. I'm going to fold it up. And all I need you to do is talk to me. If you Mm -hmm. talk to me, wherever the camera is, I'll look that way. I said, I'm good at this. I do this every day, you know, and I have to make them feel more comfortable with my disability. Right. I'll I'll ask them to to just uh, show me where the mark is. Usually there's a mark on the floor that you stand so that you're the right distance from the camera. And then I just ask them for verbal cues. Mm -hmm. And most are very willing to give that. Um, I've done auditions where I had to walk into the frame with another person. And so this other person, you know, very accommodating, kind of put their hand at my back Mm -hmm. so that we stayed the same distance apart. And he kind of tugged on my shirt when it was time to stop. And so I found people, you know, very accommodating, but I have to lead with it. I have to make them help them feel comfortable with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Be- because people want to, um, people want to be able to be comfortable and have you be comfortable, but when it's something that you're so unfamiliar unfamiliar with, it's hard to know, you know, what is, what's the right way or the, you know, the thoughtful way. What, what do I do here so that, you know, everyone's comfortable. And so you do, um, yes. you do have to kind of be the leader and, and set the precedent and help people understand that it's cool. Don't, you don't have to get, you know, too anxiety ridden over this. Let's just, you know, figure it out and um, don't worry about it. You're, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Yes, yes. I don't wear my feelings on my sleeve at all. You can tell a blind, you can tell a Helen Keller joke and I'll laugh. You know, if it's funny. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Um, I, I think people get to, to get their panties in a wad yeah. just all bunched up and, and, you know, put their feelings on their sleeve about things. And mm-hmm. you don't have to be. It makes other people uncomfortable. So, um, yep. I just try to, you know, help you help me. <laughs> 
Yeah, and most yeah. of the time I don't really need much help. Most of the time I just need you to get out of my way and don't try to help me. This one yeah. man was holding the door open to the bank, and I was clearly trying to find the handle, not realizing he was holding it open. Oh. And he didn't say anything. He just stood there holding it open. And finally, I realized I could feel the air conditioning, uh-huh. you know, that he had it open. And yeah. so I was like, oh, thank you, you know. Yeah. He, they, he thought he was helping. but Right. He but he was kind of messing, messing with your system. He was trying to be helpful, yeah. but he was actually messing with your system. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. when people are, uh, it's like when you're trying to merge on the highway and you're trying to gauge your entrance by how, how by the speed that everybody's going. But then there's that one person mm-hmm. that thinks they're going to be extra nice, and they try to slow way down to let you in. And all they do is create, you know, havoc all around them because because they're messing with the yeah. system. <laughs> just yeah. just yeah. just do what just you're do, supposed to do, do so that thing. I can do what I'm yeah. supposed to do. Yes, just do your thing. Well, I found it interesting that um, you found me on Instagram. Because that was um, something I had been learning to do was Instagram. And my business coach was the one that had encouraged me to, you know, kind of come out and, you know, go ahead and say that I was visually handicapped. Um, Because when I first was on Instagram, I hadn't done that. In fact, I had not even told my agent that I was blind. Mm. And... um, so I had to have that conversation with both my agent and then, you know, kind of come out on Instagram, you know, with it because I knew it was going to, you know, affect some things. And I'm I'm sure there are jobs I have not been given or not been asked to audition for because of it. And that's okay. Yeah. That's just reality. Um, you know, the right thing comes along when it's my turn. And so yeah. I just patiently keep doing my thing and and making sure I'm good at it. I have been to several different workshops. I've had private coaching and tutoring on doing just what you asked about how to find the camera, how to move how to move freely. Because modeling is a whole lot about moving, movement right. that's natural and normal. And that's a little harder to do when you don't know where your space is. I don't right. know where the wall is or um, a light or things like that. So I've had to have some coaching on it and get more comfortable with how to do yeah. that. So that's my job is to to be the best that I can be. And so mm-hmm. I work hard at it. Have your other senses become heightened as, as your eyesight has diminished? I, I get that question a lot. I think we really just learn to depend on them. Like mm-hmm. when I cook, I rarely look at a bottle of spice, I take the lid off and I smell it Yeah. because I have put cinnamon where I should have used cumin because <laughs> they look the same. Right. But if you smell it, it's not the same. And yeah. so it becomes a, a training of your brain to learn not to believe what you see. Mm-hmm. When I cross the street, I listen both ways. I don't look. I don't even turn my head because it doesn't matter. Right. Even if I did look, there could be a car there, and I would never see it. So I just use my ears, and I just listen. So I, I use my other senses, I think, more than other people. I depend on them, touching things. Um, I used to love to sew, um, a quilting and things like that. I did it even, you know, up until a few years ago. So I'd go to the fabric store and I could just walk down the aisle and stick my hand out and touch the fabric until I found the fabric I wanted. Mm. You know, I know the difference between polyester, silk, and cotton. You know, just just touching Mm. it. I didn't have to read the label. So (laughs) it's just using those other senses, I think, more. Sure, sure. So how how is your cooking nowadays? Have you improved (laughs) since you since you now you you smell? Actually, yes. Yeah, I do. I cook a lot. I love to cook. And, um, you know, I don't necessarily use recipes. I've been doing it so long. And, uh, you know, and, and things are always in the same place in my house. Sure. Um, you know, my kids learned early on, you don't leave toys on the floor. You don't leave things sitting out. Everything has to stay in its place. So then I know where it is. So yeah. I know right where my spices are and where the pots are. Everything's always in the same place. Yeah. So that's just survival, 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was, you know, that's mm-hmm. one of the things I was wondering is since they were so young when, you know, this happened, um, were they, you know, once they kind of got used to the idea, did they, uh, yeah, were they trying to get away with things like, oh, mom won't see if I made my bed? I mean, were they were they trying to get away with uh, not not uh, you know doing their chores or things that they thought maybe you wouldn't pick up on, or were they pretty good? No, oh, no, they're pretty good. They know they don't get away with much. I hear everything. In fact, my oldest um, wanted to learn to read Braille, so I taught him the basic alphabet in Braille and. And if they ever left things on the floor, I would make them wear a blindfold. Ah. I would put the blindfold on them. And I would say, you want to do that? You get to walk a mile in my shoes. And then you <laughs> won't do that anymore. You know, um, so, no, they were were very accommodating. And um, they really haven't known me any different. So to sure. them and to their friends, this is this is pretty normal, which I'm I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother them to see people with handicaps, if they're deaf or blind, in a wheelchair, whatever. Mm-hmm. They don't flinch. It doesn't bother them. Right. So, How old are they now? Good. 30, 27, and 24. Okay. So, so are they all out on their own then? Is anybody still at home? No, they are all out on their own, which is, is really kind of what prompted this um second half of my life, my my going rogue story, as you mm-hmm. call it, where, you know, I decided, okay, they're, they're grown and gone, doing their thing, and um, now I want to get to have my turn. I'm 50 plus, mm-hmm. and finally have gotten back into the best shape of my life, actually. Uh, well, I'll say, I, I mean. <laughs> Way about what I did in high school, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously, you do look like a fitness competitor. I mean, I, I've seen some of your things in your, um, your photos and your videos from at the gym, and I'm like, holy buckets! I gotta up my game. I thought I was doing pretty good, but she's like (laughs) making me feel like I need to, I need to up my game, Catherine. Thank you very much for the inspiration. (laughs) Well, I have a really great trainer who I've worked with for about ten years, and so he he knows my limitations, but actually. He doesn't, doesn't, I, there's nothing I do differently that the girls in my group don't do. If we're jumping up onto big boxes, he makes mm-hmm. me do that too. Mm. But he'll just stand on the other side of it. Because once I, I jump, I'm just jumping into nothing. I see, I can't see where I'm about to land. Mm-hmm. And so he'll stand on the other side just so I don't, you know, jump all the way off of it or whatever for safety. He sure. doesn't cut me any slack. He expects me to do what everybody else is doing, and um, he has a a chart he's given me for what I eat, you know, what's best for me to eat to maintain my weight, and mm-hmm. that's when I decided to go back um, into modeling and got an agent and started started back at the game, and, and <clears throat> you know, I think my husband and my my siblings, my friends. All kind of for a minute there thought I had lost my mind. Um, they, you know, weren't sure what was going on. Why all of a sudden, you know, did I want to do this? And um, and I said, because it's my turn. Mm-hmm. I've done done my job with my boys and raising them. They're independent and doing their thing. Now it's my turn. And it was hard not to be a little bit angry right at first that you know I finally get my turn and now I have to do it blind mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, it was hard not to be a little angry but sure. I, you know I, I got over that and just decided well let's just do it so that is what I work hard at every day and my family's come around they see once I start on something I don't quit I'm, I don't give up. Yeah. I just keep going until I have uh, achieved my goal. And so it's been really fun to have this dream at my age with mm-hmm. this disability mm-hmm. and still get to do it. And not only get to do it, but to encourage other people. That's what I have found so much fun about Instagram, oddly enough, is 
the people that I get to just encourage and tell my story and say, you know, they want to give excuses. You know, if you have enough excuses, you're going to get to keep them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but if I can do it, anybody can do it. You can yeah. have your dreams. You can be what it is you want to be. You just have to make those sacrifices and work hard and right. then do it, whatever it is. So that yeah. is really made well, this even more fun. Yeah, I mean there's a there's a quite an element of, you know, of fearlessness in there and, and courage. Um you know, to to be able to um step out and it you know, and make yourself really putting yourself in a in a I guess a vulnerable position, you know, you like you said you've got this disability and you've decided you in I'm going to go out and I'm going to be a professional model again. And your family must have been looking at you like, yeah, um, you could probably feel their, you know, <laughs> their curious stares, right? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. That's a, that's a heck of a going rogue story. But, you know, it would have taken a lot of, um, of courage and, and chutzpah to say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. And, and I think you're right. I mean, people, People uh, can come up with all kinds of excuses and reasons not to uh, pursue the things that are calling to them. And that's why, you know, stories like yours, I, I love to share um, this kind of a going rogue story because it demonstrates to other people what's possible when when you are telling yourself something's not possible. And you really, you know, we, we just buy way too much of our own bullshit, I think sometimes or mm-hmm. oftentimes. And so when someone like you, you know, has this, um, this crazy thing drop in their lap and all of a sudden, okay, great. I'm, I'm a, I'm a mother, I'm a young mother of three young boys and now I'm going to be blind. How's this going to work? And here you are, you know, X amount of years later, you've raised your sons, they're out on their own and now you're jumping into this wonderful career, um, amongst all of the other amazing things that you're doing. And you're giving back and you're just demonstrating so much. It's very inspiring. And, and I think that stories like this are very helpful to people to, you know, to let them know that things that they once thought maybe weren't possible, they really are. Because there's people doing, there's, there are people like you and, and so many others doing things that, you know, maybe once before they thought, oh, that could never happen. And it certainly yeah. can't happen to me. Well, I think you have to remember the, my philosophy is I'm not the enemy, I'm not the victim, I'm not even the hero. I'm the author of my dreams. I get to write them. I get to write the ending. And so that empowered me to to write a good story. Yes. To have the story I want it to be, um, regardless of what those around me thought I could do. And I am a relatively fearless person. I I love adventure. I love to, you know, rappel mm-hmm. and rock climb and you mm-hmm. know, do all kind of fun things like that. Um, yeah. And at this point in my life, really, what do I have to lose? I mean, what what can go wrong? What am I going to go blind? Oh wait, I'm already there. Yeah. <laughs> what can right. you do to me? Seriously, you know. So I just don't have anything to lose at this point. So yeah, yeah. I'm that's, stepping out there. That's a, that's an uh, in your high heels, right? In my love, high heels, always, every day. I love I love yes. the high heels because I'm a shoe freak too, and high heels definitely. Um, and I saw you, I saw one of your videos on your Facebook page, I think it was, where you were walking in a beautiful dress and your high heels, and I was like, mm-hmm. look at her. You look like you could be on a runway. It was just oh. quite impressive. I must say that, and that is a great going rogue story, by the way. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, can I ask you, um, what, if anything, what would you say has been your greatest gain since the loss of your sight and, and what do you miss the most? The greatest gain I would say that I've had is my ability to listen to people. I probably wasn't a very good listener before. Mm. I depended a lot on what I saw to either judge the world around me, make decisions, things like that. Mm -hmm. And 
I think we miss a lot when we just judge the world by what we see and we're not listening to one another. You hear someone's heart when you listen to them and ask for their story. And so it is. it has helped make me a... I wouldn't necessarily say more compassionate, but certainly more understanding Mm -hmm. person and willing to sit and listen to your story so I can get to know you Mm -hmm. and know your heart rather than just look at what's on the outside and make my judgment call. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that has been a really great thing. The thing I think I miss the most, um, probably has to do, you know, with with my boys and being able to see all of them, um, you know, walk across the stage at graduation or, um, you know, one's about to get married, you know, I, I'll miss the full picture of seeing all of that happen because I can only see a tiny little bit of it, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, that's the only thing. I don't miss driving. I don't miss reading. I'm an avid reader. I listen to books. I'm voracious about listening to books. Yeah. And, um, you know, so all those other things you can accommodate for, but, um, you know, seeing them live their life is probably what I miss the most. Sure. Yeah. That would be hard. I, that would be hard. So, I um I found some super cute quotes about um Texas women. And I was like, you know what? This would be really fun if I just rattle off a couple and you can give me like true or false. Do you want to play? Okay. Okay, yeah, I'll play. Okay. So there's just I just grabbed like three of them that I thought were cute and um and so I figured, let's try this. I've never done this before. All right. The first one, true or false? Country or slash Texas, girls are sweeter than sweet tea, stronger than whiskey, and tougher than nails. True or false? I would say that's probably true. Okay. Number two. Yeah. In the South, honey can be a term of endearment or... A dire warning. Oh, yes, definitely. <clears throat> yeah. Yes, And true. if anybody ever uses the term scooter with you, yeah, you've done something really stupid. Okay. <laughs> Good to <laughs> know. Honey ranks up there, too. It can be something sweet or it can mean something derogatory is about to come out of their mouth. Okay. Yes. All right. Good to remember. All right. The third one, true or false, if you hear a Texas woman say, Oh, hell no. It's already too late. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's probably true also. uh, Fun. You know, most of the uh, Texas women I know, you know, carry guns, so including myself, (laughs) which frightens my husband, but I'm a pretty good shot, oddly enough. You just have to make a little noise. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I love it. I think that's awesome. So, I just, uh, that was just kind of a fun little thing I wanted to throw in there. <laughs> yes. Um, so, Catherine, what advice would you give others who find themselves, you know, in this same or similar situation, you know, that's going to require them to have to learn to, to move through life and the world, really, in a completely new way? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing you have to do is give yourself about five minutes to feel sorry for yourself. Mm. And you have to grieve about it. And I think sometimes we want to skip that step. I did because it doesn't feel very good. Mm -hmm. I wanted to just skip over to the victory part of it. But you have to go through that. You have to to mourn a little bit the loss of what you thought life was going to be. But only give yourself about five minutes to do it. Okay. And then get on. Not maybe more than five minutes, maybe five days. Don't stay there. Yeah. yeah. You need to yeah. go there, but don't stay. Yeah. So the, the point and is allow, allow yourself to do it, but, but don't wallow in it endlessly. Yes. Yes. Gotcha. And put a time limit on it. You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel sad about this for five days, 
and then I'm not going, and then I'm going to move on. And then you begin to to arm yourself with resources, with people. Uh, you know, this was when I was diagnosed back before you know the internet and all of that. I couldn't just reach out on Instagram to someone. I have people almost every day reach out to me who have been diagnosed with the same disease and say, oh, my gosh, what do I do? Mm. And I do this very thing. I kind of talk them off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have that. But you can find uh, a lot of resources to to learn to navigate whatever situation you find yourself in. Mm-hmm. And and just decide you have to make a decision every single day to get up and conquer this. Today yeah. I'm going to do one more thing that moves me forward. I'm going to learn how to use my cane. I'm going to learn how to read Braille. I'm going to, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and it, so your resolve really has to come in there. And have a support team. Have people around you who believe in you, who believe that you can do it, and that encourage you sure. to do it. You're going to fall. You're going to make mistakes. I fall down all the time. I say, mm-hmm. yeah, but I look good when I get up. <laughs> right. you know, I know I know how to, to rise because I know how to fall. Mm-hmm. It, everybody does. But you get up, you put that cane back out, and you just keep on going. Um, and that's great advice. Know that that, that's everybody. That happens to everybody. So. Yeah. Yeah, now that's just that's awesome advice, especially the part where you um, you do allow give yourself that time, allow yourself to mourn mourn the loss for just a, a limited amount of time. So you're not going to live there, uh, and then get on with it, get up and get on with it. Um, I like that a lot. And then the obvious things, you know, get yourself a support group, and and it's got to be hard, but you know, look at what you've been able to accomplish. And I just think that, you know, you're showing people it, it can be done. It really can. In, and it can be done in high style too. You don't it have can, to wear, you don't have to wear sensible yeah. shoes if you don't want to. <laughs> you don't have to be blind in sensible shoes. That's going to be the title of the book. I mean, yeah. my agent books me out for all kinds of things. She doesn't flinch. She, she knows if I, she'll put me out there for anything. Um, you know, she's not, she sees I'm not afraid, so she's not afraid. Yeah, that's and awesome. That's, that's what other people will respond how you respond to it. Yeah, so. yeah, you got to set the tone. Yeah, so, absolutely. So where uh, can people find you, Catherine, um, if you want to share your website or social media sites so that people can uh, check check out more about you? Okay, Instagram is probably the best place at this point, and my handle is at Katherine Harrison underscore model, and that's Katherine with a C. Perfect, and I'll have that in the yeah. notes on the show too, so people can see it. Um, yeah, I'd love for them to to join me on Instagram and uh, give me some feedback. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, everyone, make sure that you do check it out. Um, it's uh, it's very inspiring. Catherine is beautiful, and um, you will, I think, be greatly inspired by by checking out what she's she's up to. So, last question: what's the what's the value of going rogue that you would like to share? It's fulfilling your dream. It's who wants to die saying, gosh, I wish I woulda. That's not going to be me. I don't want to die in my pajamas. I want to, (laughs) I want to live this second half of my life fulfilling my dream and being creative. Everybody has a creative side. And that's kind of what I think the going rogue for people really is when you allow that creativity to come out in you and you find your strength. You find strength you never knew you had. You find that you can do things. I never knew I could do these things. Get on a plane by myself, go to New York, audition, you know, mm. all, you know, by myself. And um, it's empowering. And it makes you feel like, yeah, heck yeah, I can do this and be good at it. Mm-hmm. So. 
it will it'll empower you to go rogue and let fulfill those dreams. Don't let them go unanswered. I love be that. Miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. That's just beautiful. I love it. Thank you. Catherine, this has been just awesome. I have so enjoyed having this chat with you and I'm, I'm very grateful that you took the time to, to come on and, and share your story. I just think it's a wonderful, beautiful, inspiring, amazing story. So I'm very appreciative. Thank you so much, Lori, for having me. It's been a delight to meet you. And you as well. And uh, when I come through Texas, I'm going to ring you up. <laughs> absolutely absolutely that'd be fun okay awesome thank you so much you have a good evening okay you too bye so there you have it folks a model citizen who refused to become diminished in any way by the loss of her sight Catherine harrison not only contributes in numerous ways beyond herself but is also on a mission to empower women of all ages to step into their strength regardless of their circumstances with poise and courage i think she's already crushing these missions and and way more i i think she's right up there at the top of one of my favorite interviews so far and i've got a lot of good ones but i I just find her story to be fantastic what a great lady um so my friends uh thank you for spending some time hanging out with us today don't forget to subscribe if you haven't yet and show me some love by giving me some of those pretty rating stars if you like all of this deliciousness that we serve up here on We're talking shift. Spread the good shift around by sharing the link with your friends. I mean, after all, the more good shifters, the merrier. So if you're trying to make some shift happen in your own life, don't forget you can find out what private coaching with me is all about on lauriebischoff.com. I've been helping people make shift happen in their lives for over 11 years. On my website, you'll also find my books, Common Sense Happiness and The Food Print Plan which is your blueprint for creating a healthy eating lifestyle. I would love to connect with you on any of the social media platforms, so don't be shy. Stop by and say hi. Until next week, stay feisty, my friends, and go make some epic shift happen. You too, Gary V. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to desantisprod at gmail.com.